0: Well, good morning, Christ City. This last week, we just wrapped up our sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount, where we heard from Jesus as he taught us uh, in the greatest sermon given given by the greatest preacher to us. And now, uh, coming off the tales of the Sermon on the Mount series, uh, we wanted to jump in a little deeper to one of the questions that we encountered in the Sermon on the Mount. And that question is, who is Jesus? Who is the one who's speaking these words to us? And for that reason, we're beginning today a new sermon series called Christology. It's a study of Jesus, where we will spend the next 12 weeks looking at, diving in deep into who Jesus is. Just what is he like? What does his life look like as revealed to us in Scripture, and how can we be changed by it? And honestly, as we've thought about this sermon series, and as I've been reflecting on it and praying about it, I can't think of anything more relevant anything more appropriate and more needed for us as a church in this moment in time than to see Jesus. And as I've been preparing for this series, I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you, I've been praying for me, and my prayer is this. I've been praying that you would begin to see in a greater way who Jesus is. And that as you see who Jesus is, you would begin to love him more. That you would be filled with greater joy as you see him and delight in him and find your satisfaction in him. That as you see him and love him and know him, you would become changed. That Jesus, by the power of his spirit, through his word, would work on your heart to actually transform who you are. So that Christ City Kitsilano would be different. That we would surely become more and more salt and light in the city of Vancouver to the glory of God. So that's my prayer for us, that we would see Jesus, love him, be filled with joy, know him better, and be changed by him. But we're going to keep all of that in mind. I'm praying for that for you uh, this morning. And as we are saying those prayers, as I have that in my mind, I want to just show you two points as we jump into our text. I want us to see that we ought to know Jesus. And that we ought to love Jesus. Two points. We ought to know Jesus, and we ought to love Jesus. So look at our first point, know Jesus. And as we look at this, I want to first jump in at Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, and this famous passage of scripture that deals with the question of who Jesus is. Look at it with me. Matthew writes this, he says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now as Matthew introduces this Little story to us uh, in this verse, we need to realize that Jesus now has been teaching for some time and doing miracles for some time, even beyond the end of the Sermon on the Mount, back at, as it ended in, in chapter 7. He's been going around, he's been doing much work, teaching and healing and preaching, and now he stops and he asks and he wonders. He says, Okay, who do people then say that I am? Who do people say that the Son of Man is? It's a good question. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And there are two different ways that we can approach the answer to the question, Who is Jesus? On the one hand, we can try to determine who Jesus is by ourselves. We we can begin to observe and to reason and to think on our own to try to understand who Jesus is. Or, We can learn from someone else about Jesus. We can learn from God, not just from ourselves, about who Jesus is. Or in other words, we can try to learn about who Jesus is from below, from our human perspective alone, or we can come to the word of God to understand from God how he is revealing Jesus to us. And in this text, we see that the crowds actually take the former approach. They try to understand Jesus from below, from their own perspective. They see something about Jesus. They observe certain characteristics about him, certain behaviors, and then they go home and then in consultation, consultation with themselves, they make their own evaluations and come up with several different answers. And of course, the disciples report these answers back to Jesus in answer to his question, who do people say that I am in verse 14? And The disciples say to Jesus, well, some say that you are John the Baptist. Some say that you are Elijah. Some say that you are Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And here's the question. Did any of them get it right? Do any of them understand who Jesus actually is as they try to work out that answer from their own perspective on their own? And the answer is no. They relied on their own intuition and reason and observation, and they were ultimately wrong about who Jesus was. And that's not surprising to us, is it? It's not surprising to us who live and have real human relationships because in our own relationships, you may have done what I've done. In my life, I have gone out and I have made observations about people that have sometimes been wrong. Sometimes I've made judgments about someone before I actually listened to them. I've been horribly wrong about the person that I had thought that I had intuited things about that were ultimately wrong and actually led to my embarrassment in relationship with them. But think for a moment, if that's the case in our assessment of real people who we can actually go and grab a coffee with and discuss with and see face to face, how much more could it be the case? is as we evaluate Jesus, who lived 2,000 years ago and who the Bible reveals is not simply human, but also God in flesh. He's the God-man. And yet despite this, we and many others often make definitive and arrogant claims about Jesus simply based off our own intuition off our own observation and reason rather than listening to God, listening to the word of God as he reveals Jesus to us. And the point I'm trying to make is this. Christ City, we will never see who Jesus really is unless we humble ourselves and hear him tell us who he is from the entirety of the Bible's teaching. We will never learn and see and understand who Jesus is if we try to get there on our own. It's something that we must be taught as we look at the word of God. Just look at Matthew chapter 16, verses 15 to 17. Jesus knows the crowds have looked him up and down, they've assessed who he is, and they've got the answer wrong. So he turns to his disciples and he says this, he says, okay, so that's the crowds, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And some Peter replied, you are the Christ The Son of the Living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Friends, what this text shows us is that understanding who Jesus is in our own is impossible. We can't find out the riches of who he is by ourselves. We need God the Father in his kindness and in his mercy to reveal who Jesus is by the power of his Holy Spirit as he works through his word to show us who Jesus is. So, one of the reasons we need to let scripture tell us who Jesus is is that Jesus is so unique, he's so exalted. He's so incredible that he defies our intuition and our imagination and our reason. He's above those things. See, the riches and the glory and the depths of who Jesus is are so vast that we can't simply discover them through critical thinking. We need to learn about Jesus through God revealing him to us in his word. For example, the Bible teaches that Jesus is completely human. He's fully and completely human. He's just as human, just as enfleshed and embodied as you are. And yet, the Bible also teaches that he is completely God. Moreover, the Bible teaches that it's not like Jesus is switching from one to the other all the time. Hey, I'm God over here, and look, now I'm Jesus over here. I'm, I'm human over here. He's not becoming one or the other. In turn, he's both. And the Bible teaches that he's not partly God just sort of God over here because he's also human or partly human, sort of human over here because he's also God. No, the Bible teaches that he is perfectly and completely and inconfusedly both. But here's the question. Is Jesus' full humanity and full divinity something that we could intuit about him? Is it something that you could, you could do if you were especially spiritual? If you could just go out to, say, Spanish banks and look out over the ocean in the evening and admire the sunset and start thinking spiritual thoughts and come to realize, oh, Jesus is fully God and fully human. Could you intuit about him? No, of course not. Of course not. And we see this actually in the early church because in the first 450 years of the church, It's a story of men and women who are wrestling with what the Bible teaches to be true about Jesus. That he is both God and man, And as they wrestled and tried to uphold both of those truths at the same time, neither denying his divinity on the one hand or denying his humanity on the other, but holding them both in tension and in truth. See, all this discussion and wrestling, it was so fruitful for the church because it led the church to wrestle not with man's opinions about who Jesus is, but about what the Bible taught about who Jesus is. It led to councils and documents that seek to uphold all of the Bible's teaching about Jesus and that we still use today and that even this morning we'll use in our worship. And You see, that wrestling was good for another reason. Because that wrestling has led to worship. That wrestling leads to worship as we wrestle with what the Bible says about Jesus, we're like Thomas, the Apostle Thomas, who after Jesus' resurrection, doubted that Jesus was truly raised from the dead. And it wasn't until Thomas reached out and touched the human wounds in Jesus' hands and felt the wounds in his side, that Thomas responded and worshipped and spoke to Jesus, not just you, my human teacher, but my Lord And my God. See, Jesus is more exalted and glorious than we could ever imagine or intuit on our own. We must see him as revealed in Scripture. But unlike us, his glory and his exaltation don't negatively impact his humility. It's not like his exaltation and his greatness somehow make him less humble. But he's perfectly humble at the same time that he's perfectly exalted. And that makes Jesus uniquely and incredibly beautiful and admirable to us. Just think for a moment of of someone who is great. A human being who is great, who is exalted. Think of the most uh, incredible person and human being that you can think of, who's just this amazing human being. Here's the thing. What's so interesting about exaltation for us human beings is that it tends to make us Less relatable, doesn't it? As we get exalted, we become less relatable to the common person. We become less compassionate as we rise in greatness. We become less gentle and less kind, and often we become far more arrogant. This is true, uh, for example, in the life of my my little boy, uh, because whenever he discovers these days that he's good at something, the first response that he makes is, Dad, look at the way that I can draw the alphabet. See, I'm better at it than you are. And he starts to exalt himself in an arrogant way over me. We all do it. It's natural to us when we get a little bit of growth and exaltation. But not so with Jesus. You see, Jesus is infinitely exalted, but he's still humble. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 21 says this, Jesus is exalted far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. He's above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. From now and for eternity future, from eternity past to eternity future, Jesus is far more exalted than anyone or anything that has ever lived, and his power is greater than anyone or anything that has ever been. Revelation chapter 1 can call him the Alpha and the Omega. The definitive beginning and the definitive end. The ruler of the kings on earth. He's the king of kings. He's the God of gods and the Lord of lords. And yet Jesus isn't arrogant. Jesus loves the orphan. The widow. Jesus loves the oppressed. The hurting. And this suffering. He loves the depressed. He loves those who are struggling to get out of bed in the morning. Jesus is meek. He's compassionate to us in our sickness, in our sin, and in our pain. He's close to those who mourn. When we feel a loss, Jesus feels it with us. And he embraces us as we weep. And in Matthew chapter 11 verse 29, Jesus says, He says about his own heart. He says about who he is deep within. He says, I am gentle and I am lowly in heart. But there's more because Jesus, even though he's so exalted, he's willing to give up his glory and his exaltation and his power in order to serve broken and hurting sinners like you and I. Philippians chapter 2 shows us that though Jesus was exalted higher than we can comprehend, he was willing to be humiliated lower than we can imagine. See, the king of all was made flesh to become a servant. He dwelt among us. He suffered with us. He was tortured by us. He was crushed for us. And then he died in our place. Why? He did it so that he could rescue us into his own life, into his own eternity and joy. There is no one in Christ city like Jesus. There's no love deeper. There's no exaltation higher. And there's no humility greater. We need to see him as he is in scripture. There's a question here, I think we could ask, well, so what? What does it matter if I see Jesus this way or I don't? Why do I need to know Jesus for who he is? Well, here's the reason as we look at our second point that we ought to love Jesus. The reason is this. If we don't see Jesus for who he is, our hearts and our minds and our wills won't be captured by Jesus. We won't love him. We won't be changed by him to be like him. We'll actually love something else and will be changed by that thing to become like it instead. And that's a problem. Because as human beings, we're constantly being molded and shaped and formed as human beings into the thing that we love. Christ City, hear this. You are, and you are becoming what you love. So for example, if what you really love is money, and that love, that desire for earthly riches, it will determine your life. It's going to determine for you the choice of your university. It will determine for you the the choice of the courses that you take at university. It will determine for you where you live, the friends you hang out with, and the way you spend your time, and the decisions that you make in your life. You see, in our lives, The thing or the person that our hearts beat for, that we love, the thing that captivates us, that fills our minds as we fall asleep at night, and that's the first thing that we think about when we wake in the morning, that thing, those things determine for us our trajectory in life. They're pulling us and forming us constantly and forever towards themselves. You are what you love, and you are becoming what you love. And loving the wrong thing will make you the wrong sort of person who will face judgment and not eternal life. But Christ City, if you love Jesus, if you see him, if you see the fullness of the beauty of God most high revealed to you in the person of Jesus, you'll be changed to become like him. You'll be transformed to become who you were created to be. You won't go from being less human to lesser human. You'll become more human as you are changed by Jesus as you love him. Just look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 to 18. Paul writes this. He writes about the way that we see and know and love Jesus. He says, we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, beholding Jesus. We're being transformed by that being transformed into the same image, into Jesus himself from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. As we know and see and love and are captivated by Jesus, God works by his spirit to cause us to become like Jesus. Christy, look around you. I want to stop for a moment and think. Look around you. Look at the news. This world is falling apart. This world is full of hatred and envy. It's full of bitterness. It's full of conflict. It's full of selfishness. It's broken. It's broken. But Christianity God has done something incredible through Jesus. Because through Jesus, he has begun creating life. Into in this world of death, God has poured out through Jesus the fragrance of life. Jesus in this world is a smell of fresh grass and flowering trees in a world of rot and decay. You See, God's done this. He's begun this work of life by showing us himself in Jesus. Because it is in Jesus alone that we see who God truly is. God has done this by beginning a transformational work in his life in the church so that we are transformed from one degree of glory to another as we behold the face of God himself in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Christ City, this is life. This is joy eternal, just gazing on the face of Jesus and seeing God being made to be like Jesus as we behold him. You see, Christy, what this world needs is more Jesus. What this world needs is more people who see Jesus and who love him. That's it. That's it. To see Jesus and to love him. And I hear you, maybe you're going to protest to me and say, but Brant, that's just so abstract. How can that be the case? Give me something right now to do. Give me something more concrete than that. Well, there's nothing more concrete than loving and seeing Jesus. You see, Jesus said in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will obey my commands. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You see, Christ said, it is only those who love Jesus who certainly and faithfully will keep Jesus' commandments. It starts with loving him. If we love him, our lives will look and be different. If we love him, we will transform to be like Jesus, to do what Jesus does in this world, to continue the work of life of God as we're made to be like Jesus. And it doesn't work the other way around because you can't love something else other than Jesus and hope to live powerfully and differently in your life as one of your followers. I mean, sure, you can fake it for a while if you don't love Jesus, Or you can try to just white-knuckle your way through being a better person to imitate Jesus even though you don't love him. And it will work for a little while, but not for forever. You'll give up, and you'll fail. And at the end of time, Jesus will look at your heart as you come before him, and he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. See, Christ if you were to boil down your job description as Christians to a single point, it's just this. Love Jesus. That's it. Love Jesus. But that single point will change everything. Because if you love Jesus, you won't be able to stop growing in obedience to Jesus. You won't be able to stop being transformed by Jesus within. You won't be able to stop becoming more and more like him, transformed and filled with his life as he powerfully works within you. So Christ City, for the next 11 11 weeks, We're going to be looking at Jesus. We're just going to look at Jesus. And can I invite you to pray as we do? Maybe right now, it starts with a prayer of repentance. Just confessing, Lord, I have not loved you as you've called me to love you. Would you forgive me? Maybe it starts with a prayer saying, God, I see my lack. I see the rottenness of my heart. Would you change me? Would you cause me to see and be captivated by Jesus? Would you work something within me to make me a different sort of person? See, Christ City, Jesus is God. (laughs) He's full of grace. He's full of mercy towards you. He receives sinners in our repentance and he promises to change us and to forgive us. So pursue him. Come to him, learn about his love as he receives you, even in the midst of your sinfulness and your lack. Christ City, do you want to change this world? Do you want to be part of something permanent and lasting that would change Christ City and Kitsilano and Vancouver forever? If you do, you need to pursue Jesus. You need to start with pursuing him, to know him, and to love him. Christ City, let me invite you to join in praying that God will powerfully use this series to cause us to know and to love him more so we will become like Jesus and be the fragrance of life in a world that is full of death.